Welcome to the Kim Doyle Show, where I believe business should be fun. Creating, marketing, and mastering your craft is as much about the day-to-day as it is about the big wins and even the epic fails. In this podcast, we're going to talk about all things content marketing, digital marketing, a little bit of mindset, and how to just show up by creating an online business and income that fits your lifestyle. Hey, what's going on? I don't know what. Oh, I'm cracking myself up and I'm going to leave this in. I was like, what's up, Ethel Merman? And I'm dating myself. Although I think she was definitely before my time too. I don't know where that came from. Anyways, welcome to the Kim Doyle Show. I am your host, Kim Doyle. Uh, Today we're going to talk about inspiration in unexpected places, growing and scaling your business, because this has been, man, you ever have a period of time where something clicks and and you just go into this like giddy phase. That's how I feel. So we're going to have some fun today. This might be a little bit long as as per usual. I have never used that abbreviation for usual, but so be it. I um, went, went down a little bit of a tangent at one point with writing the show notes out. I told you guys I write the post out and I always go in more in depth in the actual recording and specifically, I've got a list of stuff that I'm sharing with you guys today. So I, I started this one out with um, a story and, and I'm going to pivot, not pivot. I will share in the, I'm going to share in the episode where this excitement all came from. So but I wanted to tell you a story because it cracked me up when I thought about it. And um, remember how, you know, it's like when you're a little kid. Before you get, <laughs> what did my therapist say today? Before you're tainted, right? Before society starts crushing your dreams. I'm not sounding like the optimist I am, right? But you know what I mean, where you don't yet, you're not really aware of societal judgments and expectations, and you just dream and have plans, and you, there's nothing in you that thinks you won't achieve those things, and, and you go about it without any expectations attached to it. So, um, you know, it's you, my point with this too, is no matter how outrageous the plans seemed, or as an adult, looking back, you didn't, it didn't stop you from dreaming. It didn't stop you from making the plans, right? So this, this is what I, the story that I want to share with you was so funny. So it was in the fourth grade and one of my best friends and I, decided we were going to be rock stars, <laughs> right? Which I don't know if I've ever shared it. Music was a big part of my life growing up. I played the piano for almost 10 years. I was in a children's chorus. Um, I then continued singing like in, in junior high. And I would think I was only in like, um, God, what did they call it? Concert choir, my freshman year in high school. And then I stopped. But um, I even rang handbells when uh, a year. My mom did that for years. My mom was the one who got me into music. Um, she was a music major at San Francisco State, played the flute, she sang, and she continued as an adult. So she was in a women's choir and then the handbells, which um, are, are just beautiful. I actually had a quartet at my wedding. Um, and it's just, it they're just, they're beautiful. My mom actually, this is such a non sequitur, but you're getting the story anyway, um, played one Christmas, uh, they played at the White House, which was kind of cool. And then another year, they went to this bell symposium in England. And 
can you imagine being in a place where there's like a was it like a thousand bell ringers? It was crazy. Anyways, they're beautiful. So needless to say, music was a big part of my life. And, but it wasn't, you know, it was more show tunes, not rock star. But at nine years old, you're like, we're going to be rock stars. And here's the funny thing is that um, we probably spent more time drawing out our outfits and, you know, coming up with the name um, and like drawing out what the stage would look like. It was, it was hysterical. I don't remember. And I wish we could, I should reach out to her and see if she remembers this, but um, I, I don't remember how and when we pivoted to the next great idea, but that's totally not the point. The point is how we felt when we were in it, you know, that feeling, right. And kids are so great at this about staying present and getting caught up in the moment and and just running with it. And it's I I absolutely, you know, my daughter watches two little girls there, two and six. And I can't imagine what it's gonna be like when I have grandkids at some point, but they are the cutest things ever. And I'm always like, send me, um, send me videos, send me videos of the girls, because she got the older one really into Harry Potter. And so one day they were making their own potions and spell books. And I'm like, I just think it's brilliant. I love it. I love it. So as entrepreneurs, like we connect with that excitement of the idea and the planning phases on a regular basis, if we're lucky, right? Because the, the novelty and excitement can wear off once you start digging and doing the work. But if it's right, you keep going. And so what I have found for myself and my business has can just totally, I don't, I've not, I wouldn't say I've reinvented myself by any means, but you know, I pivoted from the WordPress chick to Kim Doyle and then we launched the planner. It's, it's always been in this digital marketing space and from a content creation perspective, but it's easy, just like a job. Even if it's a job you love, it's a career you love. You can hit that sort of like, eh, things feel flat, right? Sorry, I've got my waters here. And so finding inspiration, you know, it really starts with paying attention to when you feel stuck. And I'm going to get into that a little bit further down. So, you know, I'll admit that I'm a little bit of a nut or a junkie when it comes to information, really. I just, I jokingly said to my therapist that I wish I could get paid to read her response, spot on as always. She said, well, you do. You get to take what you've read and learned, you implement it, and you apply that to the knowledge to what you're doing, whether it's through a course or a podcast episode or whatever. So in many ways, my consumption is what keeps the, the machine going. That being said, there does come a point where you have to consume way less than you create, or you have to find that balance and that structure. Um that you're the only one that can hold yourself accountable for, right? But you have to find that balance and structure so that it serves your business as well as your soul. And so for me, I have routines for consumption. I allow myself time in the morning when I'm having my first coffee or when I'm having lunch or even after my workday is over. Um, like I really like this, uh, you know, I would say late afternoon, I get sort of like, all right, I need to get out of the office. When it's not freezing cold, I would take the dogs out back or we'd go for a walk or whatever. Um, and then I'll get back on my laptop and maybe 
play a little bit. I, I might work. I might do those more task stuff that don't necessarily cr- require the creative bent that maybe writing does for me. I, I'm way better first thing the first part of the day when it comes to that, that element. Um, but now that I have two newsletters, we've got F the Hustle, right, with Kim Doyle and Creativity Published with Jody on the Content Creators Planner. My consumption has a much more direct impact on what I'm doing. Can I get an amen? <laughs> like, I, I feel like, well, I have to do this now. <laughs> and part of the consumption for me is that it is, it does inspire me. It does give me a kick in the pants. It's not just a distraction, which it can be. So you have to really be honest with yourself. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that too. But as with the newsletters and gosh, I think what did I, uh, last week with creativity published at the time of this recording, we were at issue 32. So that's 32 weeks. And this week for F the hustle will be 17 weeks. Excuse me. And I have decided I've mentioned this so many times on the podcast. I'm going to go back and see where I pivoted from WordPress chick to Kim Doyle. And I'm just going to keep the numbers going. So technically this says 67, but it may end up being like episode 284 or whatever. So bear with me on that. I wish I hadn't done that, but six and one. Um, but so the, the, consumption and the reading and the gathering, it's all required now because the newsletters are both original content plus curated content. And that is probably my favorite format. I subscribe to a lot of newsletters and I'm not going to go down the whole obsession with that today, but I, where I get excited, I love the curation. Don't get me wrong, but I also like hearing from the person, the company, whatever I want to get a little bit of unique uh, insight from them as well. So um, all of this is the fun thing with this is that all of this has led me to discovering new people and places, i.e. websites that inspire me. Talk about a gift, you guys. This was like, holy, like, I would say time lottery. What would this be? Information lottery? I don't know. That sounds a little bit dumb. But uh, for the sake of trying to keep this somewhat focused, What I'd like to do is I'm going to use the internet marketing and the online marketing space as my example here. And the example in terms of stepping outside to find new inspiration and people and sites to subscribe to. So there is no shortage of experts, influencers, or gurus to follow in this space. I think we could all agree on that. And before we go too much further, let's remove all the judgment about how we feel about any of these people. Okay, let's try and just uh, look at the facts here. And this is a little trick my aunt taught me that I think is um, invaluable when it comes to trying to stay out of the emotions that we can attach to some of this stuff. And she says, look at it like Spock. For those of you who are not Star Trek or aren't familiar with that, Spock was a Vulcan who everything was logic based. So if you just look at the facts, let's look at this like Spock, right, it should pull away some of that. um, You know, anti guru bro marketing feeling that I'm sure many of us have at different times. So um, really, because it's just I think even those phrases, gurus and influencers and I don't know. There will come a point where those will 
just be words. <laughs> anyway, I, the, the, some of that might trigger you. So again, facts, Spock. So like you, I'm sure I have my go-to people that I follow, I read, or I listen to. On one hand, it's great because you know who inspires you, who you resonate with, and what you like about them. On the other hand, <laughs> it can lead to challenges that create that feeling of being stuck in your business. You know, there are a lot of quote unquote names, and I'm not getting into naming anybody here. Um, well, I will name one person, but that I have followed or listened to in the past that I don't follow or listen to anymore. And it's for one simple, simple reason. I've outgrown them. You know, like the person that came to mind is Gary Vaynerchuk. I like Gary V. I love his books. I met him in person once. He was super gracious and kind. And <coughs> he's actually, well, like I said, I haven't listened to him in a while, but I saw him shifting his message a little bit towards, uh, I don't say not towards kindness, but you know, obviously I have an, a newsletter called F the hustle. I'm over the hustle culture. And the truth is when I take inspired action, I get an alignment and I know that's probably language that is not comfortable for everybody but I'm done apologizing for that too. But when I do the work from the right place, I can get so much more done without the frenzy of hustle and push and, you know, wearing myself out. So he's an example. And it's just because I've outgrown him, you know, and not that I'm at his level, but you, you just, you know, we're supposed to grow. We're supposed to evolve as human beings. That's part of I, I truly believe that's part of our journey in in this lifetime is to to grow. And you can't do that staying in the same spot. So when we change, and we we outgrow the people who uh, brought us to a certain level, um, you know, we have to be honest with ourselves and acknowledge that they probably are not the same people are going to get us to the next level, right? That poor saying is overused and annoying, but it is what it is. The next level. Um, even when, you know, these people, and when I'm referring to these people, I'm talking about said influencer or guru or whatnot, um, maybe they've scaled and grown their business. And there are people that I'm specifically thinking of where they're making more money and they're adding products and stuff, but they're still serving the same space. and hear my heart on that. Kudos to them. It's smart because they know who they serve. They know how to help them. And so they stay in their own lane. That's not necessarily the right terminology. And they may branch out into, you know, okay, so they've got this. Now they'll do a physical product. Now they'll do this, whatever, but it's still serving the same market. That's all I'm saying. And again, it's not, there's no judgment on that. They know they're serving, but if I want to grow, and go beyond that, um, you know, I, I need to find inspiration elsewhere. The other thing that I want to point out is to, you know, I'm not one of those people that really can separate me from my business. I mean, obviously, it's personal brand. But it's just it's me everywhere I'm at, I'm, I'm me. And so I have always been on this massive quest, so to speak, to become the best version of myself. Some places it's been, 
phenomenal growth. Other places it's taking longer than I would, my ego, I should say, would care to, to admit. But the truth is, I want to take complete responsibility for the conditions of my life, how I move through the world, what I experience, and I want a big life. And that doesn't mean flashy. I think people associate big life with that. But I want great experiences and relationships and that deep, rich life. So I'm constantly wanting to up level. And, you know, so if there is, is um, a marketer, let's just use that term instead of influencer guru or whatever, but a marketer who resonated with me five years ago, they may not, it's probably not, I'm a different person today because of the personal work I do. And so I'm much more interested in people that show up the way I feel inspired to show up. You know, and some people you just feel like, okay, I've heard, I've heard this so many times. Anyway, holy out, you know, I almost said outsource, um, non sequitur there, but you get the point. And it, it's just that the challenge with this is that sometimes it's hard to put your finger on it, but really as you grow and learn in, in your business, you need to be challenged. And this is another little caveat here is that, you know, when, when you're growing or you're, you've been around, let's say that like you've been in business X amount of years, you still may not have the, you still may have not anchored in that skill set that the true depth of knowledge and application of what you're learning. So often what happens is people simply move from tactic to tactic as opposed to going deeper. So they go wider, but they don't go deeper. I was listening to a podcast episode with Christine Kane this morning on her Soul Source business podcast, and it was called The Number One Problem Behind Your Sales. You guys, this episode I wanted to yell, preach. I've talked about this so many times about the tangibles versus the intangibles. So in in this space, a tangible would be, here's my sales page. You've seen me create the page. This is the page builder I did. This is the structure. It looks pretty, all that stuff. The intangible is the stuff that you don't publish right away. Meaning, all right, so I have a, a framework that I used and I keep meaning to, I, I have to reach out to Sean Vossler and ask him if it's a public thing I can share. It wasn't his, but it's a 12 step sales page framework. And what I dig about it is that I go through all the 12 steps. I open a Google doc. Every time I do this, I open the 12 steps and I go through and I answer the questions and I, and I think about it and I, I dig in deep. I don't start writing the sales page, but I go through this process first. Nobody's going to see that, but I can't get to the headline. That's going to speak to somebody. I can't get to the benefits, right? I can't get to those, that storytelling piece that does this resonate? Does this talk about the pain point and, and where's the call to action fall within this, this framework. So I can't get to the publishing of what people see on the sales page without doing the, and I, again, it's intangible work. And the only reason I call it intangible is because you can't, it's not all seen, right? Um, but what I loved about this episode with Christine Kane is that it was really about getting crystal clear on the transformation of what you do for other people. Those are my words, not hers. Um, she gave examples of, you know, pricing and why, why you're not maybe charging enough. And 
when you sit down, pen and paper, computer, I still believe in pen and paper before you hit the computer, but if you sit down and say, okay, what is it I do here? And, and you write it all out, your own language, your own words. Don't try to write copy, but just do that brain dump. And you realize, oh my gosh, I, I do way more than I was giving myself credit for. It's a lot easier to, to then craft a message that resonates with your audience. So I've had my fair share of business success, but I can absolutely guarantee you that I could have achieved way more had I dug deeper instead of going wider. And where I was talking about the tactics, I'm going to get into a specific example so you understand what I mean, but there is not ever going to be a short of shortage of new tactics we can try. Clubhouse, right? And I probably came across as being very anti-Clubhouse. I'm not. I, I just don't. I have to stay focused right now. Um, so it's, it's definitely a never say never. Um, and the crazy thing is, you guys, I have saved probably three or four articles that I just haven't dug into yet about the uh, opportunity with audio content outside of podcasts, audio social, at, at, like Clubhouse has done. Anyways, that's a it's in here and there. So the the reason most people don't want to do this is because it's just not sexy, you guys. It's not fun at first. It is a lot of freaking hard work to sit and write out features and benefits in your own voice, and then you tweak it, and then you edit it. And that's just the first step as an example, right? So where I, I told you that I use this 12-point sales page framework, one that's one of the things is features and benefits. And they get, gosh, I remember hearing about that before. I was like, what's the difference? And it's just one of those things you have to practice and and be willing to have someone challenge you on it and say, but how is that a benefit? Or no, that's a feature. That's how we learn. And I'm a big believer in that. You know, I I do a lot of uh, the copy for Content Creators Planner. I'll write something out. And then Jody is brilliant at editing. She's like, I hope, you know, you're not, she said, I I wasn't trying to be harsh or whatever. I mean, I don't know the exact term, but I'm like, girl, please edit away. It's making me better at my craft. And it's kind of like why I am obsessed with Grammarly. (laughs) I swear. Sometimes I look back at what I wrote. I'm like, did you pay attention in English in high school? Anyway, so it's, it's all of those things matter. And they matter in a way that's not always in front of us. People have a tendency to copy what other people are doing because they don't have the confidence in themselves to practice and get better at clearly defining what's in it for their customers. You guys, I promise this is all going to tie into where to find inspiration. Because you, what happens is it's, um, here's an example. You know how there, there can be a, a, uh, God, what's the word I'm looking for? I was gonna say a trip, but a drive, let's say, you know, for those of us who used to commute back in the day, I don't know how many people are commuting today anymore with COVID, but you know, that drive, like the back of your hand, and there are times where your mind can be on something else. And all of a sudden, you're just home. And you're like, whoa, I totally, gosh, that was a quick drive. I don't remember even crossing the bridge or doing this or that. So that side of it, and that's what happens is when we don't get better at the craft, when we don't dig in and challenge ourselves, when we don't find the opportunities to grow and stretch, 
it all just becomes sort of white noise and we we don't see that we don't see opportunities anymore. You like this collective we that I'm deciding for everybody. <laughs> um, but this is why it's really, really imperative to start seeking out other people and places for inspiration. Because when you do, you see different things. It's, I'm going to quote Wayne Dyer here, when you change the way you look at things, when you change, oh, criminy, when you change what you look at, with the change way you look at things, the things you look at start to change. I really botched that one, but you get the point. So, you know, it's, it's not looking at an article or a blog post or a podcast just because it's this rote habit you do and it's just part of a, a routine. Um, because the truth is that marketers who do well, they know how to sell. They know how to create compelling stories, copy and communicate with their audience. So, you know, maybe you've bought a product from somebody and you just know you're going to buy it every single time. One of those people for me, I can tell you is Ramit Sethi. I have his, I will teach you to be rich book, which again is finance. It's not get rich quick, but I have his breakthrough launch and I have a sales page and an email course of his. And I don't remember when I really just dug in. It was probably the breakthrough launch, which I still haven't totally finished you guys, but I, I made a promise to myself that I was going to do exactly what he said. I, I followed his email to a T. I had great success with um, launching the list explosion course last summer. And so he resonates with me because I know how much work goes into what he does. I know that they <clears throat> go deep into the psychology of, of all of those pieces. And that all that plays a, a really strong role in marketing. So, you know, um, it's after a while, again, I, like I was saying, we put blinders on and we buy into this idea that if we just do what they tell us to do, it will all work and we'll have similar success. Meaning, okay, so let's say I took Ramit's breakthrough launch and I just copied what he did or um, looked at, you know, the eight, I literally just followed the eight email sequence, but I cannot tell you how many times I watched the videos and I rewrote and I rewrote and I rewrote. But let's say I didn't, I wouldn't have had the same success if I had just mimicked his stuff and changed out words. I had to do the work. And because I've taken the time to dig into whether it's story brand or other practices of, you know, communicating the message, who I'm serving, the problem I solve, the transformation they want, all of that stuff, it wouldn't have done what it had done. So here's the example I wanted to give you guys. And let's say you purchase a course on webinars. So you've decided you're going to go all in with webinars. You have a course you're going to offer at the end of the webinar. So you purchase, you know, some expensive course by a guru who has quote unquote crushed it with webinars. And I should not say expensive because the truth is it's all relative, isn't it? And if you do the work, I mean, what's a $2,000 course if you can make $50,000 off a launch as an example. And again, I'm not picking on anyone selling webinar courses. It was the first thing that popped into my mind. I've purchased two and they're hugely valuable. And I've got, had success with both. One was Russell Brunson's perfect webinar. One is David Seitman Garland's create awesome webinars. I've, I've gone through both David Seitman Garland's message 
it's more teaching than the secrets with the perfect webinar. Uh, it resonates a little bit more with me, but I also like Russell's content. So either way, this is not about anti-webinars. Here's the thing. If you don't know how to clearly communicate what you do in a way that solves the problem for someone else, it doesn't matter. You'll end up mimicking what's in the course and it falls flat or it just doesn't do the volume you're hoping to do. And the truth is all of this stuff requires a ton of work. If you step back and say, all right, I'm going to do the webinar course, all the whole nine yards, step back and think about what you have to do. A, you've had to create the course. So that's on the whole back end, right? The recording, the creating, the scripts, the email, like, let, let's just leave that whole piece out. There's all of that work there. I'm, I'm really not trying to persuade people not to do this. Uh, the webinar itself, then you have to write the webinar and then you need to practice it. And then you need to market the webinar. So there are so many pieces to this, but it is a lot of work. But if you only mimic, you know, let's say you have somebody as a headline for a webinar, as an example, in this course, and you're like, okay, well, I'll just take that and plug in my own language, like plug in my own words. So it's not even your own language. There's a difference between swapping a word and swapping a feeling, right? In a headline. Here's the thing. You have to learn how to be you in your marketing. You have, it has to come from that place within yourself that sounds like you, that resonates with you, that connects with the person you're trying to serve. So you need to dig deep with what's called a shitty first draft. I don't know if that was Anne Lamont who said that. I don't remember where it came from, but you know, have the dig in and do a pass at it and then have the patience to rework it. And I have kind of um, pivoted to not, I don't know what I must've said that word like five times in this episode, but I've all, I like doing live streams. I like doing webinars. I haven't done them in a long time. I feel so ready to jump in again and it feels fantastic. I'm having a lot of fun. And so I was saying to Jody, we're doing a, we have a content promotion course we're going to do for content creators planner. I had started outlining the course and I thought, you know what? So why don't we do this as a live workshop and it'll be a paid live workshop. So let's do this as a paid live workshop first. She said, oh, but then we can't keep reselling it which we could because I have two workshops through Kim Doyle that I think I'm going to try and run live once a month or every other month, swap them. Because what happens is you get the engagement, you get the feedback, you get the questions. So there is something about, I think, did I share this in a recent episode? Maybe it was an email, uh, cohort based courses where you're doing it collectively, you're doing it together. And I think it's invaluable because you can only, ask people so many times, what are your challenges? What are your struggles? What do you need to help with that kind of stuff? But when somebody pays to attend a course, you're teaching something tactical, and they dig into those questions even deeper. That is priceless. So you know, where I was talking about doing sort of that first draft of everything, maybe that's an, a, another way you do this. And it's like, okay, this is a beta, this is a test, and you run it live and you get the feedback and so this is all of that work that isn't necessarily seen when we look at results. It's, you know, are you willing to put that time and energy and effort in to get it right and then scale it? That's my recommendation. But anyways, once you start doing this, it is truly like the world opens up and you see things differently. And we're not going to try and botch the Wayne Dyer quote again. This has happened to me more times than I can count. Because I decided to go deeper 
I needed to find new teachers, mentors, and people to follow who could help me get better. And how that has played out for me is that I have been digging into copywriting, writing, and communicating in a way that truly connects with people. I've always just shown up as myself. I don't know how to do anything otherwise. It feels icky and I go into resistance and I just won't do it. So when it's fun, I do it. It's that simple. And it was also reframing. I struggled with copywriting and I don't know that I'd ever call myself a copywriter ever, even in 10 years. But there's something magical about being able to rephrase something and it inspires an action or it can make somebody feel differently. It's, I I don't know, simple pleasures. What can I say? Because coaches, course creators, marketers who don't communicate that you have to do this piece or that you have to have this piece dialed in before you, as an example, buy the webinar course are doing you a disservice. And on the flip side of that, it is not their responsibility to teach you everything. If someone's teaching you a course on webinars, they shouldn't have to teach you how they copywriting. They're teaching you webinars. That's a, po- that's a point, right? But I do feel there's a responsibility of said marketer, guru, influencer, coach, whatever, to be clear on who the program and product is for. And then it's up to the individual to take self-responsibility. And sometimes, have you guys ever gone back to a course you purchased because something has clicked and it was like, oh, so here, here's a great example for you about Mastering Convert Kit by Brennan Dunn, uh, maybe last year. And the truth is me getting excited. I've started doing more email again. It, it was literally just finding my way out of the hole that was the grief after losing my mom. I really did a lot less writing and I just wanted to keep putting one foot in front of the other. I do feel like I'm on the other side of that intense pain. Don't get me wrong. I could turn into a mess of tears right now, but like I'm excited again and it feels fantastic. So, you know, I I think it is imperative that you take self-responsibility for not putting so much stock into a course, a coach, a product being the answer to your problems. So first, uh, I know I've I've gotten sidetracked here, and I promise I'm going to get back to the finding inspiration part of this episode. Um, You need to have a little come to Jesus moment with yourself. A friend and I have been using the terms adulting, or as my therapist will say, parenting yourself. Because the truth is you're the only one who knows if you're wasting hours scrolling on social media instead of writing the post, the email, the course, doing the client work, whatever it is, you know how you're spending your time. And not to be a Debbie Downer, but I would guess that if you looked back on something a year ago that you had wanted to do, that somewhere along the way you got off course and you never got back on it, where would you be today? I mean, Nobody wants to look at that. Had I just done X, where could I be today? And this isn't about judgment. And it, it it's truly about being honest with yourself. Nothing's going to change until you take complete responsibility. 
So my come to Jesus moment was simply making sure I had blocked the time to do the work. Years ago, this is when I, I, and I've had so many people repeat this back to me. So I know it resonated. When I was still doing websites, I had to say no client work before noon because every single service provider that I know uses the term, I don't get to work on my stuff, quote unquote, my stuff because of the client work. Well, you have to discipline yourself. And so I made a commitment to my therapist that it was no client work before noon. And I started checking in with her the week. And then those check-ins turned into something else entirely. But I'm willing to be honest with myself at this point. And so, you know, ever since I started my business, I have, I would say I, I have a lot of resistance to creating a really, really structured schedule. A lot of that came from having to work and raise my kids by myself, which not having to work, but commute, you know, I was working 50 to 60 hours a week plus two hours commute every day. It was, it was challenging to say the least. I'm glad I was younger when I had my kids, but the whole piece of this is that I have told myself a plethora of stories and justified, well, this is why I work for myself. I don't want to do X or I don't want to do this. And, you know, even though I've always come to my office, I'm at my desk at a certain time every day, I knew that I could make better use of my time. And so I use what I call gentle structure in my life. I truly need a certain amount of white space, a lot of white space in my life. So I make sure to take it. But outside of that, I've really started holding myself to a different standard to quote unquote, do the work. The more I dig in and do the work, the more excited I get. And this is another off script moment for you guys. I was having a conversation with my therapist. We're doing this really this whole year of working with her when she's been in Costa Rica. It's been a blast. And I had this realization that things that I were in resistance to. So one, we'll just lay this on the table here is I don't want to step in the scale. It's depressing. And let me just trust myself all that. Right. Because (laughs) this is the terminology I keep using for myself. I'm the special snowflake that can achieve goals without writing them down, which I I'm a goal person. Don't, don't get me wrong, but it was like, yeah, but you can't change this. And here's the crazy thing you guys is that because she's holding me accountable and I've made a commitment to, I'm going to do this every week. And all of a sudden, making these real, real tangible, definitive goals has removed the pressure from achieving them. Now, bear with me. I'm going to explain this. So I was telling her that yesterday, and she's like, that's interesting. And I couldn't quite figure out what I meant by it. This is what I mean by it, is that I trust myself now. So that even if, as an example, with the scale, I gain a pound or two this week, and it's not what I wanted, I trust myself to course correct. I trust myself to write. I, I'm at this place in my life where it's like, I'm, I'm going to do what I want to do, meaning I'm going to achieve what I want. I'm going to test myself, try my try try new things. I'm going to push myself because of what I want. So I trust myself to keep going regardless of what the scale says, regardless of what an open rate in an email, regardless of course sales for something, I know that I'm going to keep going. So all of a sudden, I don't have this fear of failure. I don't have this fear of, well, if I say I'm going to do it and I don't, then what? Right? It's like, all right, then you pick up and you start again. So 
Anyway, let's go back to digging into the work and getting excited. So having recently made the decision, I, I made this big decision for KimDoyle.com uh, that I am going to focus in on email marketing and newsletters through through this brand. I announced this in a recent issue of F the Hustle. You guys, I feel like a kid in a candy store. I, it, this excitement is, oh, it's like bubbling over everywhere because there really is something about getting clarity. What I will say, and I believe this with every ounce of my being, is you do not get clarity just thinking. You get clarity by doing the work, right? So my issue was that I felt like I was competing with myself with the content creators planner. We talk about teach about content. We focus on all things content marketing with that brand. And so I was constantly struggling with, well, should I write this here? Should I do this on, Kim, on content creators? Should I do it on Kim Doyle? Should I do it on content creators? Because when I pivoted from WordPress chick to Kim Doyle, content marketing was my focus. It was sort of this, but I felt like it was this ambiguous digital marketing and audience. It was just kind of ambiguous. And it was, it was literally that oh, moment. Like I felt really excited. So my excitement level is so high with this decision that it kind of reminds me of when I first started my business. You know, any, anybody else remember that ignorance is bliss feeling? But bonus, now I have a totally solid foundation. My skill set, I have one. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> when I started digital marketing. I mean, I did, but you know what I'm saying? And I have an audience. So for the last 13 years, I've continued to hashtag just show up. And I simply put one foot in front of the other. Could I have been more strategic? Probably. But who I am today and who I was then are like night and day. And you you don't know what you don't know. And it's perfectly okay to figure it out as you go. So this is my list for you guys of where you can find new inspiration, and even if you are going to keep doing the same thing you've been doing, but you want, you know, that, I don't know, that recharge, that refueling, whatever that is, and you want something to get you excited again, then jump into this. <clears throat> and these are things that I'm doing and testing, and it's going to be a process. I may end this year and be like, oh, I never went down this path, right? So the first place that I would recommend is medium.com. I love medium. I pay for medium. It's either five bucks a month. You could pay $50 for the year. You simply go in and select the, your interest levels. And so you, you'll get a, you might be able to set this, but I, I like getting the daily digest of the publications. I follow the writers. I follow the market spaces that I follow. And that's where I get a lot of, um, some of the curator articles that I share. But what's really cool is that it's it's not the internet marketers. <laughs> and that's and as much as I love them all, well, eh, it's subjective, but you know what I'm saying. I love the space I'm in. I really do. It, it has turned me on to an entirely new um just new people. It's fantastic. Whether they're writers or marketers or finance people or crafters, it doesn't matter. And so I, I, and sometimes it's like, eh, okay, been there, done that kind of thing, but it doesn't matter to me. It's what's really cool because I go deeper with all of it when I find, so I've one person I've shared a lot is Tim Denning. And so naturally 
I click through and I go to their sites and then I subscribe there. And so it becomes this like, oh my gosh, all of a sudden there's like all these, you know, threads going out to other places on the internet that you would not have maybe found or come across by staying in the same lane, so to speak. Okay. This other one, this is my love hate. I'm joking, but it's social media. And I have been a pusher of content on social media for too long, the last few years. And again, like this is, you know, the recovering Catholic in me justifying and explaining. Uh, I went through a lot personally, but I had to really jump back in and remind myself what I liked about it and how it worked when I worked it correctly. And that is to really connect with people. It's not only do you share, but make sure you respond to things, ask questions, engage. And I think I might start doing this in content creators, the Facebook group is putting out a challenge every week, go find a podcast to leave a review for a book to leave a review, a blog to comment on a tweet to share a, a question to answer. Like, I don't think we have to dive all in. And you know, you don't need to start blocking out four hours a day to start engaging but baby step into it and you'll find like, I just been, I just been, I've just been uh, getting back into Twitter and it's working already. And I cannot wait. I will be doing a, I've asked Bridget Willard, my guest on the last episode. She's got her Twitter book that I've just started. I was kind of thinking about sharing. Well, I will share the results publicly, but um, I've asked her to do a live stream to content creators so that people can look at Twitter um, and remember it's indexed by Google and just anyway, little example. So social media, if it feels icky, if you don't like it, if you're not doing it, and if you refuse to do it, so be it. There's plenty of other ways, but if you are on it and it has worked in the past, maybe approach a platform or two differently. Next up is Facebook groups or other communities choose to participate. And I know from my group, um, I've done kind of the rote what are you doing this week and share your content on Friday and some of that stuff. We are doing a reboot for content creators. I want that to be a more engaged space. I want to start having fun in the group. It's growing significantly. And so that is up to me to set that tone. And so Facebook groups, whether it's just a group you're in or two, and and just assume I'm saying other communities here as well. What about products I've had? I bought, um, Vanessa Lau's. Oh my gosh. I just realized I was talking about Brennan Dunn's convert kit and I, I'm going to go back to that in just a second, but Brennan, uh, Vanessa Lau's boss Graham Academy. It's an amazing course. It's a really engaged group. A lot of people, a lot of the, uh, other students are a lot younger and they're getting started at the same time. Somebody else posted, all right, where are my, you know, over 40, over 50, I forget. <clears throat> so people started chiming in. So it's reaching out and having conversations and actually connecting with people again. There's a gal that left me a voice message on Instagram. She does a lot of Instagram marketing. And I'm like, hey, would you want to be on the podcast? And sometimes, you know, I pay the price for that is in terms of have I had a conversation, but she does a lot of video and stuff. And I thought, start expanding your circle, Kim, start connecting with new people. So look at those groups that are um, a component of course you purchase and see if you can connect with people. Next up is newsletters. Holy moly. So many opportunities here. And it is, it really can be a bit of a rabbit hole. So don't say I didn't warn you. 
Um, but, and if you're not sure where to find newsletters, you can go to Substack. You can literally search newsletter directories and there are so many out there. Um, Google a newsletter on your topic and you know it, it's amazing. And a lot of medium writers have publications and have newsletters as well, but <clears throat> you can really go down. I mean, Josh Spector's for the interested and Hanley, two of my favorites. Uh, I could spend a couple hours on the weekends when they send them easily discovering new writers and places and, and whatnot. So newsletters are a great place. And what I want to say with all of this, you guys, is that, so these are places, websites, um, whatever, where you can find inspiration and maybe new content and new ideas. It's up to you what you do with that. It's, it's the next step after that that is going to be a game changer for you. So whether if you have a podcast, reach out to do interviews or do a text interview, you can publish that as a post. Um, Again, leave a comment, share someone else's stuff. Here's another example. I have uh, recommended a couple times Ryan Daniel Moran, who is capitalism.com. And he does a lot in the e-commerce space, but I love his content. Each time I've mentioned him, he leaves a comment on my site. I'm like, wow, that's just classy. And and I don't think commenting is dead. In fact, I want to bring it back. Anyway, so ads. Uh, my suggestion is if you're going to go down the newsletter rabbit hole, for lack of a better word, is to create a new Gmail address for newsletter subscriptions. And then kind of block that and structure that in a way that it doesn't get lost. Um, and it, it's just easier to manage. Okay, here's another idea. Ads. This might sound crazy, but I do a little bit of, I do a little backward hacking here. So if I see an ad for something, as an example, an email marketing product, and I've never heard of the person or the company, I may click through on the ad to look at what it is they're selling, how they're selling it, what their messaging is. But often I'll just search them and I go straight straight to their website. So then I'll subscribe to them. And it's funny because some of those people I'm like, you know, before you know it, I'm like, eh, not resonating anymore. Or I click through and um, I, I I find somebody new I love, right? <laughs> that sounded like it was going to be a big epiphany and it was nothing. But, you know, look at, look at ads in a different way is all I'm suggesting. And if you're not seeing ads for something you're interested in or maybe a direction you're going, you know, as an example, what if it was, you know, writing better headlines? <laughs> Simply open Facebook and then open another tab and Google writing better headlines and see if you get any retargeting or, you know, ads start showing up. It's, that's crazy. It's going to be interesting to see how all that plays out in the advertising space with privacy and whatnot. Anyway, podcasts, another one. I have discovered so many new people by listening to podcasts where they were the guest. So dig a little bit deeper after you listen to an episode and find out more about the guest. And Again, you may subscribe, you may be like, ah, this person's voice drives you crazy. I've had a lot of those people. No, I shouldn't say that. Listen to me, Judgy Judderson. I, um, but there are some people you're like, I really like your message, but they're just, you know, we all have our preferences. But anyway, what I would suggest doing is to tweet them or send them a message and say, hey, I listened to this episode on a podcast and really enjoyed the show, love what you're doing, whatever. I had, um, logging into Twitter, uh, the last podcast episode, the interview with Bridget Willard, and 
a, a gal I didn't know and followed Kim. I loved your last episode, blah, blah, blah. And so now I'm following her. I responded. She made my day. And then I screenshotted, screenshotted. I took a screenshot of that tweet to save and share. So do you see? And all of a sudden, like, stop to think about if you start doing this a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit here, a little bit there. I, I literally sound like I have had far too much caffeine. I've had one tea. Anyway, that start taking it a step further. Here's another one, different industries. So step outside of your comfort zone and read something about an industry, a product or a market that you're not in. Maybe it is related, but you're not in it. So as an example, maybe you don't have an e-commerce store, but you think you might want to try someday, right? Obviously it is not going anywhere. It's just going to get bigger and bigger. And it's, it, it, there's plenty, there's plenty of opportunity. There, there just is. Um, but find someone in that space that you can follow, that you can listen to, you can get inspiration from and look at it in a handful of ways. So, you know, maybe you are looking at how they market. Maybe you're looking at how they message. Maybe you're looking at, wow, somebody's making a killing as an example with a widget, a product, whatever it is that you hadn't even thought about. So that's where I think there's some magic in that, but step outside of the industry. And as I have been uh, working on sort of my whole personal wealth plan and legacy and investments and all of that. Like I found a gal, Cody Sanchez on Substack and she has a publication called contrarian thinking. And I dig it because a lot of the finance stuff is a little bit over my head, a lot of bit over my head, but she's edgy. She's bright. She's witty. And she also talks about marketing and, and business and she's pals with Noah Kagan, meaning she is aware of the digital marketing space, but it's fun is it just starts getting the wheels turning and you may not even be aware of it, but things start percolating and what shows up might surprise you. Here's another one. Hobbies. This I'm telling you. So my love of lettering and journals and planning are what gave me the idea for the content creators planner. I've told this story so many times, but I'd gotten a bullet journal my aunt told me about the bullet journal. I wasn't into it. And I started following the system. I was like, this is way too structured for me. However, because I started playing with it and I shared publicly that I was playing with it. Next thing you know, I have friends telling me, oh, you should follow this person or hashtag Bujo, Bujo, bullet, which is short for bullet journal, I guess. Then I discover this whole journaling market <laughs> that is huge about and it's hand lettering and, and drawing and planning out spreads in your month and all of these things. And I was like, oh my goodness. And I tested that on Instagram because then I decided, okay, the bullet journal is too structured, but I fell back in love with pens and paper, which remember I had a scrapbook store. I had stick font stickers that I designed that were published, blah, blah, blah. So this was like playing. This was totally playing for me. So I start playing with this journal and one day I'm mapping a funnel. The next day I'm like, what do I want my life to look like? Big abundance planning and whatever. So I, I take three pictures of, of spreads that I had done in my journal. And I shared them on Instagram stories. The first and the third one, I didn't use the hashtag journaling. They each got, I don't know, 50 views or something. The middle spread that used the hashtag journaling got like 500. It was insane. I was like, there's a market. There's a market. 
And all of that led to the content creators planner guys. So there's that. So really step outside of, of business stuff, look at the hobbies and interests. And, and even if you look at it, I'm not saying to ruin your hobbies by looking at it from a marketer's perspective, but you'd be surprised at the inspiration and the ideas that can stem when you get out of your own way and you're just looking at something differently. Next up is your own list. Start having conversations with people you've never talked to before. Ask for people to reply. Ask them to tell you where they're stuck. You know, ask to do a hot seat, whatever it is. Have those conversations. And like, gosh, last week I shared, I did a a daily email and I was sharing the story of one of my dogs who was a little punk and stole the other dog's bone. It was the funniest incident anyway. So, and I shared a picture of the dogs and long story short, someone responded replied with adorable and it was this connection and she was like oh my gosh I love this and then it was a little bit of sharing something about marketing and that it was a great reminder and all I did was I shared and and this is for people who think what am I going to sell or share in in an email all the time Uh, a new writer that I'm following David Perel that he has pinned on his uh, Twitter profile there's like I forget it's not in front of me but like 10 steps on um, writing, write shorter sentences, da, 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 like those little things. And I was like, God, oh, those are great tips for people who feel like they struggle with writing, like to remember, do these things. And so those, those little frameworks and stuff. And that was it. And she just, she responded. So the dogs were cute. This reminds me, this was a great reminder. I just attended the summit and it was like, who knows? Maybe we'll get on the phone someday. Maybe, maybe we won't, but it was a human connection. So don't forget to talk to your own list. I don't care if you have 10 people on it or 10,000. It's a great resource. Lastly, this is a new one that I'm going to test, uh, build in public. This tends to be more of a um, developer thing where developers will build in public and uh, they track the progress and all of that. I'm going to test this for the third newsletter that I'm launching, uh, which will be announced um, pretty quickly here in the next couple of weeks. So I'm going to just share like it's a, it's a, obviously I've got audiences with both these other brands to send people to, but it's a, it's going to be its own thing. Right. And so I'm going to share the process. I'm going to build it in public, all those things. And I'm not totally sure how and where I'm going to do that yet, but I'm thinking I may do it from my Facebook page to YouTube and the face, the content creators group and just share the process and side note. Here's a bonus tip. This I've been saying this for a while. Um, well, I've been guessing it, but uh, is it Rachel Miller? But said, you know, with a lot of changes coming to the ad space, you watch that Facebook's going to do something with pages. She said pages likes are going to matter again because that algorithm is shifting and they're not going to be able to do what they used to do with tracking and retargeting and whatnot. And again, you guys, I'm not an ad expert. I don't know any of that stuff. I just know shit's changing. (laughs) But so don't give up on your pages is all I'm saying. So or start revisiting them for lack of a better word. But um, so I think I'm going to do this build in public. And I'm just going to be really transparent that this is what I'm doing. This is where we're at. This is how it's going. And, and have conversations with people again. So I would say that's pretty decent list, right? And I know it took me a long time to get to the where to find inspiration. Um, it just all felt relevant and timely. And, you know, I, I think that we all just need to be easy about it. 
this, this pressure and, you know, life is hard enough. Like your business should be fun. You should enjoy what you do. You should enjoy all of the processes. And there's just something so fun about stepping outside of your comfort zone. And oftentimes, you know, that might take a little self-reflection. And again, I've got an amazing therapist, mentor. She's like my personal Dumbledore. (laughs) I don't know if she likes that term or not, but, um, and she challenges me and I, I challenge myself and I can say, I want to step it up. And then we just go and we explore that. Right. But once you realize that there is no right or wrong, good or bad here, it, it just is. But growth does not happen when you don't stretch or push yourself a little bit. And these don't have to be like, you can't go from not doing any marketing to doing all the marketing, right? In a week, it's just not going to happen. But if you start focusing on the journey, and I know this stuff sounds so trite, you guys, but it really is amazing when you can have fun with the processes when you can create things that get you excited to go to your desk and get the work done or wherever you work. Um, The truth is you don't have to be hard on yourself. You simply need to be honest with yourself. I know without a doubt that I cannot berate myself to change. It just doesn't happen. And I fully accepted that. So what I can do is I can be kind, but I need to be firm. That's that adulting. I need to say to myself, you wasted X amount of hours. And then there's those days where it's like, I, I can't focus today. I can't for whatever reason. So I'm going to be gentle. And I know because I trust myself that I'm going to get back at it tomorrow. Another question that my therapist had asked me once, and quite frankly, it stung a little bit. And I said this to my friend that we're doing this adulting parenting conversation with. Um, and she was like, Ooh, that that triggered. And I'm like, it does. It really does. But she literally said, do you, do you want this? Do you really want this? And it was like, F you. Yes, I want it. Well then do the work. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? And it's, it wasn't, um, it wasn't a judgment, but sometimes, sometimes all the time I would recommend, let's be honest with ourselves. And lastly, I really wish there was a way to express this, or I wish I could bottle it. Um, but you guys, the feeling, how amazing you feel when you do these things for yourself. It's, it's that who you become in the process of showing up and doing the work. And that gets to be whatever you want it to be. It can be, you know what, I'm just going to write an email every day for 30 minutes, or I'm going to, I'm going to do X. I'm going to do X. You don't have to make it public. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to attach a carrot and a stick, whatever, what you have to be honest about what works for you. I know where accountability works for me. I know who it won't work with me for. Um, But all of the sudden you have developed this level of trust within yourself that is a priceless and B has developed skills and patterns. And I, this is a long episode. I'm sorry. I am really wrapping this up, but I'm reading a book called, um, rewire for wealth. (laughs) took me a minute. Uh, maybe I've told you guys this, but it's, uh, Barbara Hassan, H U S O N. And she used to go by Barbara Stanny. She's got an amazing story. And like I told you, I'm kind of doing this whole wealth thing in my life right now. 
And what I got so excited, this was sort of that game changer for me. So rewire for wealth. I'm going to give you a quick little story and I promise this is it. We're going to wind down here, but she, I would, my guess, and I probably could have Googled this, but this was last minute. Um, my guess is she's in her mid sixties, early mid late. I don't know. She's in her sixties. That's my guess. So she, her father was one of the founders of H and R block. If you're not familiar with that, it's a huge tax company in the United States. So she grew up with money and for women of that generation. So she is a baby boomer. You know, the message was men handle money for her. I'm not saying that's true of all baby boomers, but it was for a lot of women. And so she had a trust and got married and first husband basically made horrible investments, blew her trust. It turns out, I think, I think he was abusive towards the end, but she ends up divorced with a million dollar tax bill and three dollars to take care of and realized, oh my gosh, you know, and her dad wasn't going to bail her out. And it's funny because on one hand where he had created this, um, don't let your, let your husband manage the money, let him take care of it, just stay out of it kind of thing. And then as soon as she's stuck with the tax bill, because she stayed out of it, there wasn't help at the same time, it fueled her. She ends up becoming, you know, a writer and a finance coach and all of these things. Okay. So complete pivot. And again, her other books are Barbara Stanley. She's got six figure women. Um, I, anyway, I'm literally corner off. There's a corner office one. I, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. I'm so sorry. Okay. So rewire for wealth. This is what I got excited about. And this is where this ties into who you become in the process. So, um, this book, what was really cool about it is she had a point, she said, where she was kind of feeling uninspired in her business also. And she had been doing a lot of financial coaching and working with women and all of this and but just kind of felt inspired. So she decided to take time for herself. She took a year, I think, which is absolutely a privilege from hard work. She earned it. Um, and what lit her up because she kind of felt like there was something missing was this rewiring piece. And so it's the neuroscience side that connects the dots that says your mind can actually rewire, physically rewire the brain. And so I actually have a psychology degree. I don't know if I ever shared that. The biggest thing I remembered was how we create new synapses in our brain. So when you learn new things, you're creating new connections and you're creating new synapses in your brain. So the the neuroscience of this is if you can change a belief, you can change the physical structure of your brain that imp- that that plays a role in your output as an example, right? So look at it this way. What if, what if you could change the belief in your mind that writing online isn't hard and you can learn it, okay? That will change the physical makeup of that part of your brain that fights you on that. And all of a sudden you've got this change in belief. You have literally rewired your brain to believe this is fun and easy. I have so much evidence of doing this, you guys. So this is the whole point in in telling you the story of the Rewire for Wealth book, her story, all of that was that if you can do that there, you can do that here. So if you can look, even if you look in your life and say, 
where have I successfully done something? Now, how do I take that framework and apply it here? What happens is this is where who you become in the process trumps everything, right? Huh, ranty uh, motivational speech at the end there, but you get the point. It's a great book, by the way. So, and the other piece that I love about this book, I'll give you guys a heads up. So she talks about tangible money stuff, but she also talks about uh, the book Course in Miracles. If you're not familiar with it, it's it's a spiritual book, kind of without an author. It's a trip. It is intense. But the big message with the Course in Miracles is self-responsibility. So I'm going to just leave that at that. But she's kind of pulled all these pieces of tactical, financial, that alignment, spiritual piece, as well as now the science side of it. It's just, it's a really fun new way for me to look at things. And so that's where I think you can find inspiration. You can find new people to read, to follow, to subscribe to, to listen to, whatever it is that gets you out of that. I'm feeling stuck and uninspired. So anyways, um, I, I just focus on the process. Enjoy the journey. I promise you it's going to give you everything you need to continue reaching for what you want. So I'm rooting for you. I wish you nothing but the best. Uh, much love to you guys. I love you tons. As always, thank you for listening. And if you have not left a review on iTunes, it would mean the world to me. Follow me, hit me up on Twitter. Yeah, I'm spending more time there. It's crazy. Um, so anyways, until next time, guys, next week, we've got another interview with my friend Kyle Van Dusen. So I'm looking forward to that. So I will catch you next week. <laughs>